Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. Hello and welcome. This session of the bootcamp is part of a meeting we conducted in March of this year. It was an executive governance roundtables part of the FBC membership. And the focus of this meeting is on looking at assessment of value or assessing value in cross-border markets. Now, this is a topic that's getting quite a lot of attention, especially on the back of the ESMA consultation paper late last year, and the fact that ESMA, along with other national competent authorities, is going to be looking at costs and charges across fund ranges in Europe through the rest of this year. So we put a meeting together where we had two case studies, uh, the first presented by Claire Wood from First Centre, and the other by by Richard Vinson from Columbia Threadneedle. Claire spoke a little bit about the work that they've done with their Irish fund range, and Rich spoke a little bit about the work that they've done with their Luxembourg fund range. Um, we hope you find the session interesting. There's a lot more where this came from, and we're going to be covering this topic through the rest of this year. And there's also a fair amount of reading material uh, in uh, on the FBC website. Um, I will leave you with the start of the meeting where Philip Walland, FPC's chair of our advisory council, sets the stage in terms of talking about what the regulatory framework looks like. During the course of this meeting, you'll also hear from Denise Voss. Uh, Denise is a um, well-established independent director in Luxembourg. And we also wanted to some extent bring into this conversation the voice of the consumer, so to speak. And you'll hear from Jean-Francois Ottomol, a well-established, well-known former fund selector uh, and also a product governance expert. I hope you enjoy this recording. It's an extract, as I said, from our executive governance roundtable meetings in March. And we look forward to hearing from you if you've got any thoughts on this. Thank you. The first point I'd make, and um, Shiv always said, you always say that, so I'll say it again, is that in the UK, we've got to the assessment of value because the FCA has a competition remit. Uh, none of the other um, NCA's regulators in Europe do. So if they're going to head in this direction, they have to do it under the pretext of investor protection. The second thing I'd say is that um, most of the um, regulators in Europe, uh, not all, but most of them are what I would call corporatist. So if you go to the German regulators, there is no way they are going to damage German banks' profitability. Um, so they are most unlikely to um, call for a ban on inducements or a reduction in fees or anything like that. And I think that's true of most, most of the um, major centres in Europe, apart perhaps from the Nordics, um, where the Nordics have paid attention to things like closet indexing. Sweden got quite close to banning inducements from following Holland. Um, I'm told that they may be looking at it again. It, it, it always surprised me. I was involved in some of the discussions there. You had a Soviet, um, Soviet um, a socialist government, um, and uh, and yet they uh, they effectively stopped that move in its tracks. Um, then then we come to ESMA, um, which has has not been talking about value, but has been talking about costs 
or as they put it, undue costs, and they use that phrase because it's in the USIPs directive. And Stephen Mayor, the current chairman, goes around saying people really should be investing more. Uh, the problem is that funds are too expensive, uh, failing to notice that the biggest cost in most um, acquisition is actually the cost of distribution rather than the cost of the funds. They are doing some convergence work on this undue cost. They're trying to see that all the supervisors around Europe treat the subject in, uh, in, in the same way. Um, and they do have some pushback on that, uh, which is quite interesting because the AMF have publicly said that they don't agree with, um, with ESMA's line um, in detail. All in all, I don't see a particularly strong move in the regulatory environment towards assessment of value. A lot of work is being done in Ireland with the Central Bank of Ireland and in Luxembourg with the CSSF and, and Denise can talk more about that, where I don't think they're going for assessment of value, but I, I think they are asking uh, the funds uh, to put the investor more central in their thinking is the way I, I would put it. Um, the pressure, I think, um, on all of this um, and others can talk about this, will come from fund selectors and from institutional um, mandates. And they'll be looking at the UK and saying, look, on, on this particular strategy, you've taken two basis points off in the UK. What about us? Now, to meet that, you don't have to go through, I think, um, the complete UK assessment of value, the seven principles and so on and so forth. Um, but I think that it will creep across the channel uh, uh, driven by uh, commercial uh, interests rather than regulatory interests. So I think that's uh, hopefully set set everybody up for the rest of the session. It has indeed. Thank you very much. And we'll come back to you on a couple of questions that have occurred to me, and I've no doubt uh, some of our audience will have some for you as well. Uh, but you teed up Claire very nicely. So Claire, could I come to you next? Now, you've obviously done some work uh, with your fund range in Ireland, and you very kindly agreed to talk us through some of that and the whys, the hows, and the what for. So I'll hand, I'll hand off to you here. Yeah, thanks, Shiv. And I think what you've said, Philip, is actually spot on for, for how we approached it in, in Ireland. In fact, we specifically, we, we did a body of work that was sort of originally driven out of the CBI closet tracking letter that came out sort of a year, a year and a half ago. Um, and then for whatever reason, you know, we were addressing that at the back end of last year, by which point the ESMA supervisory briefing had come out on costs and charges. We had some annual sort of internal reviews that were um, all coming together on key features reviews on our platforms and a number of you like board actions as well that we we kind of rolled into a big exercise that we deliberately called the value and viability assessment to distinguish it from the assessment of value because for us internally the assessment of value has very um, you know UK regulatory connotations it's a very particular incarnation I guess of an assessment of value and we didn't we didn't want to get the two things mixed up um, and so but Having said that, there was definitely some crossover because of the way our UK year end falls on our funds. We published our assessment of value in November. So there was a, a large overlap and, and crossover in when we were doing these these streams of work. And we do have mirror strategies on the two fund ranges. So it made sense, um, you know, when we were looking at, at one particular kind of graph, if we were graphing our OCFs or peer groups, that we would pick that up and mirror that across to our, to our Irish fund range. And so we ended up with this exercise, I guess, that 
that wasn't necessarily called for under the regulation, but we we wanted to do and we felt it was very valuable to do. And we definitely also had the um, the uh, Irish NEDs had probably seen assessments that had been done by other asset managers and there was a certain amount of sharing in the industry and a certain amount of UK assessment of value terminology that was creeping into that so you knew that that other people were do it, doing it as well um, but th th there were some I guess some similarities and some differences which really reflect what you what you've just discussed Philip um, with with the the sort of the cross-border market so you know the similarities were the similar similarities on the data sets that we were looking at so largely the same the same data and that sort of core focus on performance and fees and, and costs that we mapped across and, and also the very strong focus on share class level assessment which I think was actually for me one of the wonderful things that came out of the assessment of value was that real focus down on the share class level and the ability to maybe spot things that <clears throat> weren't obvious if you don't look at the share class level so things that maybe had been reported to the board in plain sight over a number of years in a table or an expense policy and looked perfectly reasonable when you suddenly graph them out and the impact on smaller share classes on different share classes of different currency you suddenly realize they weren't all right and that you needed to, to maybe address things and I think that 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 was a that was a great thing that that came out of that that real focus um, at the share class level um, so that, that those were sort of you know, the core of it, I guess, was very similar, but then all around the edges, you've got the differences. So we we didn't spend a lot of time discussing philosophical things like quality of service or what an economy of scale meant. We didn't we didn't do that um, in the in the Irish fund range. Um, we obviously spent no time on external comms for the Irish exercise because it was purely um, a, a board discussion. And um, I would also say that you know there was quite a different. Um, experience with the board whereas we spent a number of board meetings so while we've got you know experienced and long service NEDs on our UK board we still had to spend a lot of time taking them through the detail of the data I would say our Irish NEDs were much more comfortable with that level of technical detail and we were able to sort of get it through in one in one very dedicated board meeting specifically um, on that topic as well so there were some some interesting differences. And then I guess the the, the one that, that we sort of found interesting as to whether or not we then start picking this up as we we think about the rest of the world, because we have these fund ranges in the rest of the world, is that real link between um, performance and, and fees. So whereas in the UK assessment of value, we looked at performance after fees against the investment objective, and we also looked at fees. So there were there was kind of a, a link there, an implied link. Um, because of the sort of the focus on class uh, closet um, trackers, there was a very clear link between not just historical performance, but expected performance and how that linked back to, to the fee that you could charge. So you had to kind of um, do a bit of a heuristic about what what's, re what's realistically could be expected from this asset class in the market environment that we're in and how does that relate to the fee that we're charging and we didn't do that exercise on our UK fund range but it, it's an interesting question for us as whether we feed that back in to next year um, and also if we think about uh, you know rolling this out further globally we've got a huge fund range in Australia um, which is interesting because they've, they've just brought out a paper where they very much are coming at it from a competition perspective like you said, they've obviously been very inspired by the UK um, 
market study in, in what they're doing. Um, huge page document, but they, they don't refer to value for money very often in that because they generally find that they're quite a low fee environment in Australia and they don't see any evidence of closet tracking and no evidence really that there's any undue profits accruing to asset managers. So probably a slightly different focus uh, down there, but um, definitely something that we're looking to roll out globally um, across some of our other fund ranges in time. Wonderful, Claire, thank you very much. I have to say, I'm, I've, I've already said, written down three questions, but I'm going to save the temptation to ask <laughs> you that straight away because I have no doubt some will have several more by the time we're finished. Um, Rich, can I, hand, can I hand off to you now and ask you to talk about your experience? And I think you've got a slide that you'd like to uh, uh, share with us. So Brandon, if we could have uh, Richard's slide brought up now. Thanks, Shiv. Thanks, Brandon. Um, yeah, I thought maybe I'd start off with just the, um, you know, like Claire, sort of explaining a little bit about what we've done at Columbia Threadneedle. And then the slide is just a few pointers, just um, some thoughts that I put down on, on a page just to kind of think about and get some some conversation going around around some uh, some of the experience that we've had, really. So in, in terms of what we did, obviously, um, we have a big UK range. We, we went through the, the value assessment in the UK uh, uh, back in Q1 last year. It was the first time we did that. And uh, we, we found that quite a useful exercise, I think, from a product governance perspective. Now, a lot of the, what was in the value assessment we actually did, but it was tended to be in a very sort of ad hoc basis uh, and, and not very regular. And actually what we found was that the opportunity to bring all that together in, into one single point in time to sit down with the board was actually a really useful exercise to go through. So as we came out of that and, um, you know, we, we, we obviously learned a lot during that process. We, we immediately thought about the, the CCAV range, and I think, you know, to the points already made, you know, why wouldn't we look to, to, to do something around that, around that, uh, that, that cross-border range? So uh, what was quite nice, we used the sort of year-end data for uh, the UK value assessment. Um, we could use the sort of mid-year data for an assessment on our, on our CCAV. And what we decided to do was, was really to, to do a sort of light version. So uh, much like Claire kind of suggested, looking at, uh, performance, looking at fees, and really using it as an opportunity to to talk to our um, our, our board and talk with particularly the non-exec directors, just to really introduce the concept of value, and actually kind of take them on a bit of a journey here with us as we as we look to develop um, and and look to to bring in some of the more factors around you know a deeper dive around share classes and class of units and those sorts of things that you'll be familiar with. Um, from the UK value assessment. So whilst we didn't go the whole hog, we, we certainly sort of painted a bit of a picture for them around what we would do this year um, when we when we get to it. Uh, and, and obviously at the same time, um, as we were talking to them in sort of Q4, beginning of Q4 last year, there was a chance to talk about the ESMA uh, uh, paper and, and the sort of 10 commandments and pricing commandments that sit within that and explain some thoughts around that and how we might address that as well. We hope you enjoyed that 15-minute uh, excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.